Welcome to the Meet Maastricht podcast. I'm Katrina and together with our resident local Lucy, we will be exploring some of the amazing stories that make Maastricht so special. So sit back, relax and join us as we learn about our favourite Dutch city. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 24 of the Meet Maastricht podcast. I'm Yay. Katrina, <laughs> here with Lucy. It feels like it's been so long since we've sat down and had a chat. Uh, what are we talking about today, if everyone's forgotten from the last episode? <laughs> of course everyone's forgotten from the last episode. There's, yeah, there's, there's been a bit of a break. We've, we've been away, we've been otherwise occupied, <laughs> and now we're, now we're back for the fall circuit yes. of uh, events and places of interest in this city that will continue to surprise you. <laughs> anyway, with that, what, what I announced during our last podcast that, was that we would be discussing the Nieuwenhof, or the New Court. <laughs> and it's a white building, a convent and a chapel, and it sort of nestled up against the second city wall. Yes. I suppose most of you have discovered that that second wall by now where you can walk up the stairs and then walk on the top of it and have beautiful views of the park and the Yika mm. and find uh, quiet spaces to sit and think and <laughs> look at all the lovely greenery and, the, and then you, you will have um, behind you you will have the roofs of uh, the Nimenhof convent Mm. Well, I don't think I've been up on the wall to look that way. I've probably looked the other way, but um, uh, to look on, can you look into that building? Sort of, is there a space you can look in above, or is it mostly just roof? It is. It is mostly <laughs> roofs. Yeah, because the, most of the building is two stories high. So, mm -hmm. so that means you have you have the the, the gutter. So at the, the, the start of the roof, yes. about at the height of the wall. Ah, okay. So so, so where the um, uh, where the segment of the of the convent building is alongside the wall, I think you can only see the windows that are uh, on the roof, mm. and they are they are pretty small. And okay. uh, I, I I know what the spaces inside look like. <laughs> They are uh, uh, they are the, the former attics, and when the building was being used as the law school, uh, that is where we uh, spent our uh, long, long, long nights uh, studying. <laughs> ah. So I know I, I know the I know the view from all of these windows looking out. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's uh, if people are sort of wondering. Sort of more where it is. It's right near another one we talked about, the yeah. Martina Sofia. It was. Yes. It's just right opposite that. It's not far from the Natural History Museum. It's in that sort of little pocket of the city. If yes. people are wondering. Yes, and 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 these days it no longer houses the law school. In case you um, are getting confused now, <laughs> I'm I'm talking about quite a few years ago, of course. Uh, today, it's it's uh, the building houses the University College of Maastricht. Yes. Rewinding a bit, when was this building first built? Um, it it goes back seven hundred years. So. Ah. <laughs> oh, good. 
Now, not not this, not this, not this particular building. This particular building is uh, is fifteenth uh, century, but uh, oh, but not uh, old it, at all then. <laughs> no, this is just. Uh, <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, of course, in the in the in the in the Maastricht context, it is it is always centuries immediately. <laughs> I mean, this they, they, we will we will get into that, of course, uh, uh, when when we uh, start exploring more outside the uh, the city fortifications. The buildings mm-hmm. will be younger, but generally, the monumental stuff within the city walls is old. Yeah. And I mean that's the point. <laughs> of course, we talk we talk about history here, so that's old stuff. <laughs> yeah, with with of course always the exceptions confirming the rule, as in, for instance, the star, you know, the 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 men's choir. Yeah. Which was which was more about the um, yeah this community of men singing than it was about the building because yeah that's no longer there and the building that was there was fairly recent so yeah anyway I'm still I'm still casting about here for <laughs> for a particular a more specific date to give you yeah 15th century mm. yeah true but the very the very first uh, community, uh, so so the uh, the beginning of uh, the group of people uh, who required the building of the Nimenov in mm-hmm. the 15th century, that goes back to the 13th. Oh wow! Yeah, and that concerns the group of people that we have come across before. It is uh, uh, women. Mm. And uh, women who uh, shared a desire to lead a religious life without becoming nuns okay. in the constraints of the convents with their, uh, you know, their communal living and their and their uh, strict regimen. Mm. And we've talked of we've talked of these women before, the Beguines. Yeah. And how and how that is a type of uh, religious sentiment and. A choice for a religious life that was prevalent in the 13th and 14th century, in especially mm. the Low Countries. It is not something that that can be found all over Europe. It is it is very characteristic of the Low Countries. Okay. So what is what is today Belgium and today the Netherlands? There was a male variety as well, and these people would these people would congregate, but live in their own house. And yes. those those houses would be small and simple, and they would be grouped together, and usually around a chapel. Mm. And there would be uh, communal occupations and obligations, but that would be very very far removed from what life in a convent was like. Yeah. And of course, this was this was one of the reasons why uh, they irritated the church. <laughs> Too much independence. Yes. <laughs> that was just that was just not desirable as far as the church hierarchy was concerned. But this is how the community of the Nuenov started. And they, the Nuenov is called the Nuenov, the new court, because obviously there must have been an old court. <laughs> yes. And there was. And it was and, and in the in the language of the time that was called the Aldenhof. Okay. If you've been if you've been looking at maps and, 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 and street signs, you've come across it. Part of the park outside the walls is called the Aldenhof Park. Ah, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the one with uh, D'Artagnan, is that yes, the exactly. of that park? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Light bulb moment, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yes. So that's the, that's the connection. The old court, Oldenhof, is where this, this congregation of religious women lived together. Okay. Uh, except it was a very unfortunate spot. Oh. Um, well, imagine it now. You know where it is, where it mm. is localized now, and there, and uh, the yikker is everywhere. So they would be they would be washed out regularly. Oh, right? there'd okay. be uh, Yeah, there'd be uh, uh, lots of trouble with the water, mm. and also they weren't happy with the spot because it was well. There were the city gates, and there was all this traffic going mm. in and out, and lots of noise and commotion, and too many people. And it's you know, so they were. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't feel they could they could lead the kind of con peaceful con life. Yes, <laughs> that they wanted. That they wanted. So they they petitioned, they petitioned the bishop and the parish of Saint Peter. Because, of course, right outside the walls, Maastricht's uh, jurisdiction ended and uh, St. Peter's started. Mm. So they had, to, they had to petition several uh, lords <laughs> and administrators oh. if they could please move. And th they were allowed to, mm. so they moved. And uh, then what happened was that that new court outside the walls kept being destroyed. Oh, so in the in the 15th century, it it's it sort of got bombed out about three times. So and then, oh, you know, no. and then they yeah they gave up. They gave up. Can we please come inside the walls? <laughs> please. Please. <Yeah. laughs> please. Um, and and so that's where the new one is. Yeah. Where yeah. it is now. Yeah. So that that is the second Mewenhof, mm. and it, and it is the third off. <laughs> Because Aldenhof was the first outside yeah. the wall, and then the first Niemenhof was the second outside mm. the wall, and then the third Niemenhof is inside the wall, and that's the building that's still there. <laughs> so, is there a reason I don't know? Might not you might not know that it's a Hof and not a Hofje? Because I know that some of the begins, um, I, when I was looking at them last time, often lived in, like you said, in the separate little sort of yeah. houses of a Hofje with a little chapel. Is there a reason yeah. that it's they chose a bigger, I guess, I, I don't know, what what's the main difference? Well, they, it, it Martinus Hofje was, was not a religious institution. Uh, the people who lived there, which yeah. is, they were laymen, all of them, mm. all, all the time, all, all down the edges and yeah. still. So that was, that was, of course, it had a, it had a religious motive, but the people living there were not, yeah. Uh, of yeah, they hadn't taken any oath of of religious uh, mm. authority at all, and that is that is different for the uh, for the court. Yeah, yeah, but so they chose to build, but because it's sort of all connected, it's not really just little houses. No, but that is that is because, as I mentioned earlier, the male hierarchy of the church did not uh. condone. This this uh, partial autonomy of these of these congregations. So they demanded they would take on uh, a religious uh, rule. Oh, okay. And and the, uh, the 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 statute, so to speak, that would generally be used mm. for both the male and the female uh, begins would be the third order of the Franciscans. 
Ah, okay. So the the tertiary, as it as it is then uh, called, the tertiary order of Saint Francis, right, is a monastic rule that is not awfully strict. Okay. But uh, as of the moment that they were obliged to take on this rule, which is mm. around 1500, yeah. they are also obliged to live in a convent and not in separate houses. Okay. So is is there a reason then that it's not, it doesn't have the name of the St. Franciscan monks, that they called it the New Court <laughs> instead of well, the, the Franciscan New Court? <laughs> No, but there's there's um, uh, this this tertiary order of the Franciscans is that's a statutory thing, ah. so that so, and that is that that applied to several communities in the city. Yeah, and it would apply to hundreds and hundreds of communities all over the place. So mm. you know, to, to distinguish them, they would they would they would still have their own name, and that would and that would often be the locality, you know, the yeah. place where they were, <laughs> and that was the new court. So yeah. The um, I know we've talked about like different groups of people serving different functions and teaching or nursing or um, working with the community. Did this group do anything like that? No. Oh no, they were they were they were con- contemplative. How do, how do you pronounce that in English? Yeah, Where contemplative. Is... Oh, I was wondering where the emphasis that's how, went. That's how yeah. I would pronounce it. There's probably different okay. ways. <laughs> We have we have uh, met this sort of setup as well mm. with the little convent of Saint Anthony, mm-hmm. and it was you know the 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 point there was was also to you know turn inwards and to concentrate yeah. on uh, the offices that had to be taken care of. So so uh, uh, an observance in the chapel. Yeah, I think that I think it was about ten times in a in a day. Mm. With with three of them uh, practically before sunrise most mm. of the year, yeah. So they they were they were mostly praying, uh, meditating, uh, reading the scripture, uh, maybe doing some housework, and maybe doing a little spinning and weaving uh, <laughs> f- for income. Yeah. But most of these convents uh, also had extensive holdings. Uh, so so most of most of their income could come from from rent on the lands that they owned and then um, you know rent it out to be mm-hmm. uh, to be worked yeah and and quite often these these small communities of women what you have to imagine is is something between 10 and 20 women in the course of the centuries mm. li- living together they would generally have borders as well so uh, single mm. women okay who were not bound by the the religious yeah. uh, uh, oaths? Uh, they they could they could live in places like these, and they would they would pay room and board. Yeah. So that's. Ah, I was going to say that that seems like a very big space for ten or twenty women, but yeah. if they had borders and other people yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it it differed over time, of course. Yeah. So it it might it might have been really really crowded at times, and it might have been pretty empty at times. And of course, there would there, there would be servants as well. Mm-hmm. So you know they 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 were they, you have to think of them as 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 secluded, uh, quiet communities in in the city. 
yeah. and, and you know, and there were and there were people uh, who who really preferred that kind of life. And when you look at the type of options that were available to women at the time, I can imagine. Mm, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not really surprised. No, the actual building itself is it uh, with the because it has the the Hof name is does it have a central sort of courtyard? Yes. Is it built sort of in a in a square ish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shame? Yeah, okay. it, yeah, it is. We we have we have discussed before how how the Dutch word hof can signify all sorts of things. Yes. Well, that's why I have to clarify just in exactly. case. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But in but in this case, the meaning of it has a central courtyard applies. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is built in a square and with the with the chapel added to one side of it. So yeah. uh, yes, there, there you is. Can, a I think you courtyard. can see where the chapel is. The chapel sort of on the right hand side. Yeah. Yes, so you can sort of, if you walk down the Zwingleput, which is the street that sort of the front part is on, you can see on the right-hand side there's the chapel and then mm-hmm. there's the big, big wooden doors out the front. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I imagine if you're a student or someone who looks like a student, <laughs> you yeah. can, maybe not at the moment, um, there's probably very no. strict rules, don't try and get in at the moment, but I imagine... No. Uh, on they there would be open days and all sorts of things yes. where you could go and have a little explore. Yeah, but I mean, in normal times, yeah, all these all these buildings are open to the public anyway. I mean, yeah. we did, uh, there's there's uh, there's gates at the library where you can only access when you have a student pass. Mm. But as far but as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, most of the faculty buildings would just be accessible. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, I, I think I might have mentioned before when we first moved to the Netherlands, um, we lived that we lived literally across the road from the Neumannhof. So <laughs> yeah. we, I saw many people going in and out of those big doors. Uh, so hopefully, um, in the future, if you're interested, you'll be able to go have a look. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just just don't don't do it now because no. you know ev- everybody is skittish. I was I was at a at a lecture uh, at uh, uh, the the former uh, Lesser Friars Church, the second yes. one because we also had a series of those, which is now the uh, administration building of yes. the of the university, and uh, and of course that's a church too. But you know the first thing that happens when you walk through the door is uh, so, so the, 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 there's a barrier there with a person behind it who says mm. uh, this is where you walk. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just yeah okay we will just have to deal with it. I mean we 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 have we have been so lucky to to have not experienced uh, an epidemic for. No. Uh, about three generations, uh, yeah. because you know, and then and then that's just us in our part of the world. I mean, <laughs> I think we've also been very lucky to have access to all these buildings. I know on the podcast yeah. we often talk about buildings that we don't have access to, but yeah. a lot of the university buildings, when the university is functioning like a normal mm-hmm. institution, uh, we're lucky that we can just sort of go into a lot of yeah. these places because they could have easily been snabbled up by private people, private companies or you know, so we are also very grateful <laughs> that we can yeah. normally go in. Yeah, um, but not, not not the state Maastricht was in when uh, when the university started the gobbling because, oh. you know, it, with decay uh, yeah. 
all over the place. The city, the city was on a downhill skid, something horrible, mm. and it uh, it had it has become uh, as picturesque and as affluent as it is now, thanks in great part to the university. Mm. Yeah. So when in saying that, when did the um, the begins and the the women leave that building then? Well. <laughs> This is this is also a recurring element in in the pattern that we're beginning to see in the city's history, <laughs> the French the French Revolution. Ah, okay. So, from 1502 to 1796, I mean, mm. just have a look at that. That is, you know, several centuries. There was this this uneventful, really. Yeah. Yeah, of of course, uh, sieges and uh, uh, bombs. Mur- <laughs> yeah, bombs and murdering armies and yeah. epidemics and you know the usual uh, stuff going mm. on. But as as far as all the rest is concerned, for for those centuries, these ladies of the tertiary order from their mm. little convents could could just live there and. Uh, Peacefully die there and yeah. be buried, and you know, and things just sort of sailed along, not necessarily merrily, but uh, yeah, not much, not much happening. So mm. you know, fine. And of course, the uh, the French Revolutionary armies uh, occupying the city, making a break with history in every possible way, was an enormous disruption. Mm. And it's sort of it's interesting because they were you know, forced into the tertiary order and forced into a, uh, the Hof <laughs> uh, yeah. because they weren't, you know, strict enough. They weren't religious enough. And then the French Revolution comes and says, oh, well, now you're too religious and uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't possibly yeah. do that. And so it must have been, I mean, it would have been, wouldn't have been the same women because it was hundreds of no. years later. But it it's interesting the way that um, history sort of, molded the and flowed through it because it's just it's such a turn from um from what happened yeah yeah but that is you know that is what history will do i mean the the french the french the french revolution simply stipulated that uh, all the old had to be done away with and that was that was primarily uh the nobility and the church Mm. and what that means is that you're destroying uh, a societal order, and yes. in in every possible way, so all the possessions were uh, simply taken away. There must yeah. be a word for that. It's not it's not annexed, confiscated. That's the word. Everything was simply confiscated mm. and then put up for sale. Everything at the same time, which of course is the is the surest way to to destroying possibility of getting a reasonable price for whatever yeah and and this has been this has been a recurring element in in many of the stories here that it was that it was confiscated property which which became pretty much useless uh, overnight and uh, the people inhabiting these places were rendered uh, both homeless and destitute yeah the new rulers would offer sort of vouchers that could be used to buy these properties imagine this you would you would get a voucher to buy your own property yeah. which you had just lost and yeah. these these vouchers were worth next to nothing 
Yeah. And quite a few of the religious orders simply, and, the, and, and these uh, sisters were among them, uh, simply refused to, to accept them. Right. And also what, what several of the orders in the city did was, uh, mm. was write a, a, a letter to the new authorities vehemently uh, protesting the fact that they were being robbed like this. Yeah. And only and only uh, leaving the premises at the very very last moment when the new authorities were uh, threatening them with uh, physical violence. Yeah, and you can imagine if there were also boarders or any servants. Yep. I mean, that yep. wasn't. I feel like the, <laughs> and it happens in all um, you know big upheaval and revolutions yep. is that there's these contradictions of. What about those people who did absolutely nothing wrong and were just surviving on what they could survive with? The yeah. servants in the big houses, you know, what happens to them? if They, they yeah. might have lived there their whole life. Like, it's... Yeah, so do we know what happened to the women after that? Well, what, what, what first happened is that uh, anything and everything of value... Of course, they were allowed to take their personal possessions... Yeah. 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 Because I can't imagine the, they would have had many personal possessions. Exactly. Because because this is this is one of the this is one of the uh, of the requirements of being uh, a nun. Yeah. You have to take a vow of chastity. You have to take a vow of obedience, and you yeah. have to take a vow of poverty. So, oh <laughs> they, yeah. So the people living in these communities would have no personal property. They yeah. might have a few things in their in their private cells, and, and of course, some some convents would be obscenely rich. Of course, yeah. there have been periods and there have been places where that was the case. Yes. But okay, this particular convent was among many where that was not the case. People mm. had very few personal possessions. The convent itself was not particularly rich. It was well off. I mean, they could manage on, on yes. the income of their lands and all that. Mm. But it was it was there was not any decadence of any sort. And what and what did happen in the in the uh, months leading up to the to the final uh, threat of forcible eviction? Was of course the building was plundered. Mm. I mean, the, the, the people were leaving, uh, finding finding new places to stay. Most of them stayed in the city, yeah. and in the and in the meantime, the building was ransacked. So so everything of value, the wooden doors and windows, and the oh, and wow. the stone the stone uh, fireplaces and yeah. uh, marble tops in the kitchen and uh, everything was gone. Right. So. So the bu the building was just ransacked, and then and then the and then the uh, the French authorities complained about that, and the nuns were going, yeah, well, we don't know who did this. No, it's not. I d I doubt the nuns ran off with the marble countertops. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we don't know, but yes, it's no. unlikely. Yeah, <laughs> might some suspicious uh, <laughs> women in habits scurrying <laughs> off with some. <laughs> Exactly. Some wooden window frames. Yeah, you can, you, you can just see that. Ah, oh, it is also pity and so sad, also. Yeah. But. And and so did people move into the building? Well, 
what what was what was happening at the, of course there was there was all sorts of stuff being confiscated all over the place yeah and another confiscation that took place was that the uh, the new fairly new house for the poor the orphanage mm. uh, uh, just around the corner had been confiscated by the french army <laughs> to serve as the military hospital right what about all the orphans Yes, exactly. Well, the, 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 the city uh, provided whatever they could rustle up at the moment, two private yeah. homes, oh. and, then, and then they lost one, and then there were all these dozens of, of orphans and, and a few people unfit to live in general society were all crammed together in this one house, and the administrators, of course, were, were beating down the doors of the municipal authorities saying this is unacceptable this, this yeah. is not but come on give us give us a decent space and then they were given the new enough okay so that was that was a sort of ridiculous trait but yeah yeah okay i guess it wouldn't be too badly suited to somewhere where people were living in separate rooms it's yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> it's better than giving them a i don't know a theater or something yeah no this is this is true this is true, and for and for quite a for quite a long time, it did it did suffice mm. as housing for uh, the poor orphans. Yeah, because uh, yeah, do, uh, please do realize this was this was an institution solely for the poor. It was also an institution where their admittance was only open to uh, children that had lost one of their parents, not both of them. Oh. So this was this was more more a poor people's house than an orphanage, yes, but it okay. housed it housed mainly half orphans, so poor half orphans. That's and very only, specific. Yeah, very, very. But yeah. you know, there was there was also a, a, a Roman Catholic orphanage, and if your remaining parent died, that's where you were transferred to. Okay. And it was it was it was really only late in the late in the nineteenth century that that they were uh, that they were considering uh, doing away with this distinction. Yeah. But this is of course where by the time that that ideas about about the type of housing and the type of care had uh, greatly developed from uh, <laughs> in the early nineteenth century. Yeah. It took a while. <laughs> And the and the Nimenov was the Nimenov was very very strictly segregated between uh, boys and girls. Yeah. So there was a there was a boys department and a girls department, and they were living under very different regimes. Okay. And of course, this also is a is a very far cry from how the care for these children ended up being in the twentieth century, when when of course psychology um. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Pedagogy? Pedagogy? Uh, yeah, uh, pedagogy. Pedagogy. I think so. I, I'm never sure how to pronounce that word either. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the science of how to raise children. That's yes. what it is, of course. Yes. And, and, uh, and, of course, the, the, the were, there were uh, the insights of the 20th century were primarily that which you uh, 
should be trying to do is recreate the home environment as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the 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 arrangements these days for for orphans and uh, not even half orphans, but for orphans would be would be uh, to have to have communal housing approaching a family setting as much as possible. So yes. these these children are now completely. Invisible in private ha- homes all around the city. Yes. I mean, we we don't even know where they are, right? <laughs> which is which is of course vastly preferable yes. to the boys in their costume and the girls in their costume, yeah. all of them identical, being marched down the city streets on group. Yeah. 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 Look, look, here come the orphans, the poor orphans. Mind yeah, you. the poor, poor half orphans. Um, yeah. And so, uh, imagine eventually the uh, university bought the building, but what happened in between? Did that take a while? No, that took a, that took a long time before the yeah. university bought it. They they rented it for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was only in '88 that they bought it, and they'd been using it for quite some time before okay. that. When the when the nuns and the and the orphans uh, yeah. left, that was that was in 1980. Okay. So it has it has been it has been used for uh, uh, children and their caretakers mm. until 1980. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, of course they have been thinking about what to what to do with it, and it went really straight from the nuns to the university. Mm. Okay. So that, that that wasn't there wasn't really a there wasn't really a gap there when the when the when the children and the nuns left the builders came in and uh, re- restored okay. things and right. reorganized things and then the law faculty started mm. and then oh and then the law faculty moved eventually and now it's the college yes the university college yes mm. yeah so it has the, the the building hasn't been empty. No, yeah. Compared with a lot of yes. a lot of them that were sort of left to crumble a little bit, it's uh, amazing that it's been in use for so long. Yeah, no, not this one. It 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 went it went from the children to the students. Mm, that's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> well, your favorite question is obviously: uh, Is there anything else about the, <laughs> the Numenhof? <laughs> A little nugget that you'd like to share, Lucy? No, I think it's quite enough. <laughs> if you want, if you want to know more, uh, work on your Dutch. <laughs> this is so cruel. And have a look at Maastricht's silhouette number thirty-two. There's lots more about the building history of it, and all the architectural elements. Mm. Um, more about the regimen uh, that the children lived in uh, in, in the in the yeah. course of the of the centuries, because of course it's been a children's house for a long, long time. Yeah. And uh, and of course here we we also meet the religious orders we've been seeing before. You know the brothers of the Bayard uh, taking care of the, of the boys, and the sisters under the bogen yeah. taking care of the girls. And okay. It's, uh, yeah, so uh, it 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 always ties in with those stories <laughs> as well. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Uh, what are we going to be talking about next time? Well, about Maastricht silhouette number two. <laughs> number two. Number two. Yeah. So this is <laughs> this is this is this book is older. This little 
brochure is older than you are, Katrina. And it deals <laughs> it deals with the Vogelstruis. I like to mix things up. So oh. we're going from we're going from a convent, orphanage, law school to a bar. Is that the the bird something? Yes, the Vogelstruis <laughs> is the the is the ostrich. Oh, okay. It's it's a legendary cafe on the Vredhof. Oh, exciting! I do re- I do think I recognise the name. We'll have to. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some good photos of of that if it's a a legendary cafe. It, it, yeah, you'll <laughs> yeah, you'll do just fine. I I have no... so the contemporary word for an ostrich is a Straussvogel. Ah. So the other way around, but this this cafe is called the Vogelstrauss, and it has it has a name stone above the above the yes. entrance door with an ostrich on it so you know ah, yeah so if you want to get a head start you can have a, a very safe socially distanced walk along the very top <laughs> and <laughs> see if you can spot the ostrich <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today and don't forget to follow us on social media you can find us on facebook by searching meet maastricht and on instagram at at meet underscore maastricht If you would like to learn more about us, you can also visit our website at meetmaastricht.eu where you can buy tickets and subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you're always up to date. Thanks again and tune in next time to learn more about our beautiful city. Tot ziens.